Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where I help passionate entrepreneurs condense an hour of business research into 22 minutes of powerful conversations filled with knowledge, stories, and advice to help you achieve your one-year goal in 90 days. From national stages to your earbuds, I'm here to tell you that it's possible to have a profitable and sustainable business without the fear of overwhelm and uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. It's all mojo and none of the fluff. It's time to get motivated in 22 minutes. All right, welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And today is a very, very fascinating conversation. And we've got Jeffrey Madoff with us today. And Jeffrey Madoff is the founder and the CEO of Madoff Productions. Now, it's, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. He's the author of Creative Careers and Making a Living with Your Ideas. His highly anticipated book dispels the myth that artists can't be good business people and vice versa, along with many other myths about creativity, so that readers can really embrace all sides of themselves and reach their full potential. So this is just a fascinating book. It's a great conversation. Jeffrey has so much background and knowledge, and I'm excited to have him as part of our episode. So Jeffrey, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me on, Marlo. Absolutely. So you're based out of New York City. And give us a little bit of your background. I mean, you, it states that you, you know your career started as a fashion designer. Give our listeners a little bit of a background about who you are. Well, I'm originally from Akron, Ohio, and uh, I had lots of jobs when I was growing up wouldn't call them careers. Uh, I never wanted to mow lawns or shovel driveways for a living, but I did that to make money when I was a kid, as many kids do in the Midwest. And I went to college in Madison, University of Wisconsin, and had a double major in psychology and philosophy. And I was also on the wrestling team. And so that was a great combination to set me up for dealing with any business. Tried to get a job as a sage due to my philosophy degree, but the wisdom factories were not hiring at that time. So uh, I was working in a little clothing boutique and a dear friend of mine who I grew up with called me up. He had graduated the year before me and said, I've saved up some money. Can you think of a gig that would earn more than bank interest? And I said, I'll start a clothing company. And I said that because I was in the store where I worked. I could always draw. I saw what sold and thought, why not? And when I think back on that, I'm glad that I wasn't in the bathroom or some other place, because who knows what job I would have come up with. (laughs) I'll make paper towels. How about making paper towels? That would be good. So uh, I was off and running in my first career, which is as a clothing designer. Fascinating. And I love it. So you were just kind of guiding yourself and just taking your experiences, and it was just leading to those next steps. I mean, you were chosen one of the top 10 designers in the United States. Talk to us a little bit about that experience. (laughs) Well, I think uh, it's a little more impressive than it sounds because I think there were only eight of us at that point. So being in the top 10 wasn't so hard. You know, it was at a time, Marlo, when young people weren't doing startups. It wasn't like it is today. And so when I started, uh, I was in the fashion industry at a time of great change. Uh, I was one of the people and there were a couple others, but I was interviewed by Women's Wear Daily, which was at the time the major uh, organ, uh, media organ of the clothing business, women's fashion. And they said, well, who do you design for? And at that time, it was either you dressed like your parents or you dressed like a kid. 
And I said, uh, well, I'm designing for my contemporaries, people my age that don't want to dress like their parents and don't want to dress like they dressed in high school. And the contemporary market was just starting at that time. So it was a great time. Uh, these days, they would call it a disruptive time. But fashion went through seismic changes. Carnaby Street in London had a big impact. Rock and roll had become huge, a major impact. And so, you know, starting at that time, change was embraced and the fashion industry forever changed at that point. You know, you went from, from in this design space and you switched careers to film and video production. Now, so as our listeners are hearing your story played out, you know, how are these things happening for you? Can you give us some insight in, you know, taking yourself from a designer, switching careers over to film and video? What was that bridge that you crossed? Where did it exist? So there was a recession going on. Business uh, payments, cash flow was being tremendously affected. Stores that normally paid in 30 to 45 days were taking 90 to 120 days to pay. Many were going out of business. And I had a very good financial backer in Wisconsin. The primary reason that he backed me was because after about 18 months in business, I had about 120 employees and we all banked in his banks. He made it clear that if I ever wanted to move the business, he would not continue to back me. And at that time, I made the decision I wanted to move to New York. And uh, people said to me, you know, do you have a, anything lined up in New York? And I said, no. Do you have a job? No. Do you know people? No. Do you have a place to live? No. But uh, they said, aren't you afraid of what's going to happen if you move? And I said, no, actually, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I stay. I felt that, you know, I had used up my time in Wisconsin. It had been great, but I was ready for a major transition. So I negotiated a separation and closing down the business with my financial backer and had saved up enough money that I could, if I lived modestly, travel the world learn about the city. And I did that for almost a year. At that point, I was out of money. And so I started another clothing company because I had a good reputation and my clothing sold and the economy had gotten better by that point. But it was a decision not made from a plan, but made from a desire to both move away from something. And I was going to go towards something else, but that something else was unknown. But that adventure was very seductive to me. And I knew that my time in Wisconsin was done. And I think the main takeaway from that is that money comes and goes, time only goes. And I, I realized that I think thanks to my dad and we had talked about things like that. And so it wasn't, it was a major decision, but it wasn't a hard decision because I, I had just shifted to another place. And I wanted to be in New York and I wanted to come of age, so to speak, in New York and change up what I was doing. Yeah. As we're taking people through your story, this has leveraged you with an opportunity to write a book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. Now, with your writing, you've also dispelled the myth that artists can't be good business people. Talk to us about that. You mentioned a book, uh, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, and that's the name of a class that I teach at Parsons School of Design in New York City. And each week, I have different 
people come in and I interview them and deconstruct what they do. Pulitzer Prize winning journalists, Academy Award winning screenwriters, politicians, newscasters, the architect Michael Arad, who designed the 9-11 Memorial, an amazing group of people. And what I've looked at that is the common thread through all these people who've done these incredible things is that there is a there's a protocol in business that it doesn't make any difference what business you are in, that if you follow that protocol, the businesses become demystified and that you're able to do maybe what you thought you couldn't do because it's not shrouded in, in mystery anymore, if you will. And so that, that common thread that goes through all businesses also ties into creativity. And creativity has, I believe, way too narrow a definition in the context of our culture. When you say creative, people think of artists or musicians or actors, and they are creative. But also entrepreneurs are creative because everything starts with an idea. And then you have to actualize that idea, whether you're making that into a character you're portraying as an actor, a story you're writing as an author, a painting that you're doing, or a business that you're starting. So I think that the act of creation is based on the compelling need to bring about a change. And I think that that happens in a lot more areas than we give credit to. And as a result, you get that schism that, oh, I'm creative, but I don't know anything about business, or I'm a good business person, but I'm not creative. And I think it's because we don't allow or give ourselves permission to have that kind of expression. And that kind of expression is also often stomped out of us when we're quite young. Right. You have some really good insight on this left brain versus right brain thinking. You say it stemmed from a flawed study. Can you tell us a little bit about that study? Yeah. Uh, Roger Sperry, who is a, uh, a, a neuropsychologist, did early split brain studies. Uh, this was in the 60s and 70s. And he, what the conclusions appeared to be was that the right hemisphere of the brain had more to do with spatial relationships and creativity and the left hemisphere of the brain had much more to do with logical organized thinking. He won the Nobel Prize for his studies. By the early 1990s, brain mapping got a lot more sophisticated. And what we saw was that there's a tremendous amount of crosstalk between the hemispheres of the brain. It is not that bicameral mind that came into vogue as a result of his studies that, in fact, if you looked at the brain of your dry cleaner and you looked at the brain of Rembrandt, you'd see a lot of crosstalk going between the hemispheres and you wouldn't be able to tell who was who based on that. And in Sperry's defense, he never intended left and right brain to embody personality traits, which is what came to vogue in terms of doing that. And even today, you could go and, and search left brain, right brain, and you can take tests online and there are books out, but there's no science behind it. The science of that was pretty much undone once brain mapping got more sophisticated, but people still believe in that. And it also establishes a rationale when you say, well, I can't do that. I'm creative. I can't do business or, well, I'm business. I don't really you know, care about creativity. And I think that when you realize that there's no real grounding for that, what you're left with is you're rationalizing why you can't do things. And it's really important, I think, to not say no to yourself and to go after those things that you want and try. Okay. 
But then it takes a lot of trust within yourself and a lot of belief that you can. So give us more insight into that, you know, so believe that you can try. Help us understand, like, what could we do today if somebody's listening to this? What is one thing that you would really challenge or invite them to do to continue trying or even to give it a try? Well, I think there's a few things. First of all, in order to foster creative thinking, what you should do is expose yourself to the best works out there. That means go to movies or during a time of COVID, stream movies. Uh, You've got a window into a global library of images, of music, of film on your computer. Do meetups, and there's virtual meetups that you can do. In other words, expose yourself to different people with different ideas and constantly be taking in that stimulus that you can get from film, from dance, from music, from reading, from all of these kinds of things, because then ideas start percolating in your brain. And there are things that may seem like, and I call it in the book, the myth of the lightning bolt, that all of a sudden an idea surfaces. That's not really what happens. That's not how your brain works. What happens is you start connecting the dots because you have a lot more dots that are closer and closer to each other, the more you expose yourself to creative stimulus. So if you wanted to try your hand at writing a story or try your hand at painting something, uh, if you wanted to do these things, but just didn't think you were capable of doing it, I just encourage people to not say no to themselves. If you have a desire to try something, try it. Because if you do a risk assessment, and if that risk assessment, one being no real effect at all, and 10 being devastating, life-changing, catastrophic consequences, most decisions we make are like in the two to three range. So, but in the moment, you're so up against it that it seems big, much bigger than it is. So really think about also realistically, what have I got to lose? What am I really risking here? Maybe some criticism, but so what? You know, enough people will say no to you. Don't say no to yourself. If you have a desire to try something, try it. Because the worst thing that happens is you may not want to try it again, but maybe you'll try something else because you'll find out it's not a fatal mistake. In fact, you've gained the benefit and whatever you've learned from actually trying something. Yeah, no. And it's very interesting. I, I love listening to your take on this and your vantage point and the different ways that you look at it. Okay, so we're kind of coming into the close and, and I, there's two specific topics that I would really like your insight. And I'm going to let you pick which one you want to talk about. You know, there's branding and how you create it. And then there's also success and how we define it. How would you like to take our listeners, um, Jeffrey, into either one of those? Pick one and let's go there. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe we'll do a part two sometime. <laughs> there you uh, go. Because I love both of those topics. But I would say that if I had to choose which was most important, I think it's defining success for yourself. Because, you know, I'm now at a point in my life where I have seen so many people who on the surface seem to have a very successful life, depending on what measurement you use. So for instance, for myself, the true measurement of success and the true currency in life are the relationships that you have and maintain. And as I said earlier, money comes and goes. But those relationships that you have, that you nurture with family, with friends, and growing those relationships are what sustain you through really hard times. And the hardest times that we have are emotional and how we deal with things and having the friends that you can talk to and realizing that success isn't a measurement of just 
a number in a bank account, but rather the wealth that you gain from having friends that are empathic uh, and who have a sense of humor and who challenge you. That I think is the most important. And most people, if they ever ask themselves what success looks like to them, they ask themselves much later in life, middle age and after, where I was lucky enough because I had to face closing down a business when I was quite young, that I really had to come to grips. Did that make me a failure if I closed the business? You know, and when I thought about, well, what does success really mean? I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to just involve myself in, in an adventurous, creatively adventurous life. And I did that. And I'm very happy I did that. And success to me hasn't changed. And I think that the key word that goes along with success is fulfillment. And I don't know anybody that's fulfilled because they have a big bank account, but I know lots of people who are fulfilled because they're doing things that gave their life purpose and meaning. Very powerful. Yeah. And, you know, so you're talking about legacy, right? And that's what we're all driving for is like, what is the legacy that we're leaving behind? And so you've offered some really good, powerful things for us all to think about. Okay. So we are coming to the close. How can we connect with you? You know, people want to continue the conversation. So where can we find you? Uh, well, you can find me on, uh, there's a website, which is Madoff, M-A-D-O-F-F productions.com, where you can see my video work. There's a creativecareer.com, which is the Creative Careers website where you'll see clips of the interviews from my class. Uh, and you'll also see, you know, where you can get the book, which is, I love saying this, at all fine booksellers. Uh, <laughs> so my book is available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and a number of other places in audio and paperback and Kindle. Uh, and then there's... Uh, at a creative career, the Instagram site for creative careers, where you'll see short clips of inspiration and insight from the guests that I've had. And then I'm on LinkedIn also, uh, be Jeffrey Madoff on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, this is just an enriching conversation. So thank you so much, Jeffrey. This has been very enlightening. Well, thank you, Marlo. I enjoyed speaking with you and I hope that your audience gets some real value from this. So thanks a lot. It was fun. Oh, I know they will. (laughs) It It is fast. All right. So to continue the conversation, you can also find more about Jeffrey Madoff at our website, MarloHiggins.com, where you can connect to his resources, purchase his book and learn more about him. Again, thank you for being with us. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and chief inspirational officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach passionate entrepreneurs like you to achieve complete confidence and clarity to reach your one-year goal in 90 days. Learn how you can get more done in less time with my number one proven formula for consistency and clarity. Simply go to go.marlohiggins.com to download. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. 